Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good day and uh, thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Alifia Health third quarter 2021 earnings conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be an analyst question and answer session. To ask a question, you will need to press star 1 on your telephone keypad. If you require any further assistance, please press star 0. I would now like to hand the conference over to your first speaker for today, Mr. Nicholas Bergamini, VP of Investor Relations. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you. Joining me on the call today are Alethea Health CEO Jeffrey Benick and CFO Matt Sale. This morning, Alethea Health filed on CEDAR its financial statements and associated MD&A for the three and nine months ended September 30th, 2021. All comments to be made on this call today should be taken with reference to and are qualified in their entirety by those documents. Today's call includes estimates and other forward-looking information from which our actual results could differ. Please review the cautionary language in today's press release regarding various factors, assumptions, and risks that could cause our actual results to differ. Furthermore, during this call, we will refer to certain non-IFRS financial measures, including adjusted EBITDA and adjusted gross margin. These measures do not have any standardized meaning under IFRS, and our approach to calculating these measures may differ from that of other issuers, and so they may not be directly comparable. Please see this quarter's MD&A for more information about these measures. I will now pass the call over to our CEO, Jeffrey Benick. Thank you, Nick, and it's great speaking with my fellow shareholders today. We very much appreciate you joining us. Today's Remembrance Day in Canada where we recognize the courage and sacrifice of our veterans, along with the men and women who today serve in the Canadian Armed Forces. I know we have many veterans as both investors and patients. So on behalf of Alifia Health, I give you my sincere thanks. This quarter reinforces the disciplined and growth-oriented approach we've taken over the last year. Similar to our momentum established over the previous two quarters, it features significant growth in adult-use cannabis sales as we continue full steam ahead in developing our wellness CPG business model. At the same time, we've also realized a reduction in SGNA expenses. But first, I'd like to quickly touch on the non-cash write-off of intangible and goodwill assets, which clearly resulted in the significant net loss for the quarter. It's really important to note that these are non-cash, one-time impairments of non-physical assets. These have absolutely no effect on our cash profitability, and like many of our peers, we have undertaken these impairments to adjust for current market conditions. Now with these items no longer on our balance sheets, it's cleared the deck for the strong growth moving forward. I'd like to speak to some incredibly exciting results at our outdoor cultivation facility in Port Perry, Ontario. In 2019 and 2020, we demonstrated that we could generate significant yield. But as we've always said, the outdoor flower potency was about 80% of 
as high as that of our indoor and our greenhouse. Our goal this year was to produce high THC, low-cost dried flour at scale for sale directly in the adult use market with potencies meeting or exceeding greenhouse results. I believe our third annual harvest, which we completed this week, has achieved that goal. The average potency level for all THC flour harvested is 22%, with some cultivars reaching into the high 20s. Together, we have 11,600 kilograms of dried flour above 20%, almost all of which will be directly allocated towards the adult use market, specifically in pre-roll and milled formats. Apples to apples, this is over 20-fold increase in plus 20% THC dried flour harvest over last year. From our perspective, potency, much more so than total weight, is the best indicator for investors of the total revenue generating potential for the harvest. Now to be clear, the figures I just mentioned do not include our CBD and balanced strains, which are still in the process of being weighted and tested, and which make up the majority of the total harvest. So the 11,600 kilos is just a fraction of the total weight harvested, and we look forward to reporting on the total amount later this year. The outdoor cultivation results are important because it quickly ramps up supply for our top selling SKUs, which also leverage our low-cost cultivation advantage. As we said on previous earning calls, these products are often sold out due to high demand. So these results will help alleviate the supply-demand imbalance. Stepping back exactly a year ago today on our earnings call, we signaled that we saw ourselves making a significant effort to enter the adult use market. In Q3 2020, we had approximately $200,000 in adult use net cannabis revenue. So we were essentially starting from scratch. In the last year, we've launched five consumer-facing adult use brands, each tailored to specific consumer segments. And we've launched dozens of SKUs in that time. The results are being beginning to show as we again reported a meaningful sequential increase in adult use sales and an over 2,000% increase over Q3 2020. We've also begun to capture market share. According to retail sell-through data from Ontario, Saskatchewan, BC, and Alberta, we hold the formal top 10 market share position in both oils and edibles. Subsequent to the reporting period, we also reached the top 10 market share position in pre-rolls, the third largest category in Canada. The ne next objective for our team is to replicate this in the dried flowered category. It's the largest in Canada by a wide margin. It also plays to our strengths. The largest input cost is the flower itself, not the packaging, not the processing. This is an area where we have an advantage over our peers that will allow us to maintain competitive pricing and protect gross profit margins. We've also had some positive development in our domestic medical business. While we did see a small decline sequentially in sales here, this is consistent with last year, with lower order volume during the summer. We do expect to continue growing in the sector heading into Q4 and the new year. Our team continues to execute on our partnership with Unifor, Canada's largest private sector union. The thesis underpinning this relationship is that out-of-pocket costs 
remains the largest barrier for many potential medical cannabis patients. Through collective bargaining with some of Canada's largest employers, Unifor is advocating for medical cannabis coverage in insurance plans. This is a completely unprecedented program with many stakeholders involved. It's not something that will bring results overnight, and indeed the ramp up has taken more time than anticipated. One of the chief challenges is getting in front of employees during COVID-19 environment. But I've challenged our team to find a way in the last 30 days we've registered more patients than the previous four months of the program combined. While not yet material amount, I'm feeling encouraged that we are back on track. We've also had two new, new collective bargaining units approved the use of medical cannabis under their insurance plans, bringing the total onboard unionized employers to five. We remain as committed as ever to executing upon this differentiated opportunity. By owning the entire patient experience, you're able to create customer stickiness and drive consistent, repeatable high margin sales. Matt, over to you. Thank you, Jeff. Good morning, everyone. It's great to speak with you today. One of the defining characteristics of this quarter is once again seeing a diversification of our sales mix driven by the growth in the sale of branded cannabis consumer products in the adult use and medical channels. The sale of consumer packaged goods accounted for 79% of net cannabis revenue in Q3 2021, up from 68% in the previous quarter. We view these revenue streams as higher quality as they are more stable, provide greater visibility into future revenue, and pave the way for sustainable top-line growth for the long term. Moreover, they produce stronger, more sustainable gross profit margins. Our adult use business continues to perform well and put up strong results. As you may recall, we launched our adult use business in Q4 of last year. Since then, we generated $1.7 million of net cannabis revenue in Q1, $3.2 million in Q2, and $5 million in Q3, representing 56% sequential growth over the previous quarter. It now represents our single largest sales channel, which is also experiencing the highest growth rate. Now we'll unpack some of the key growth drivers in our adult use business. The single biggest catalyst in Q3 2021 was the launch of our large format dried flower SKUs, some of which only occurred late in the quarter. Not only does this represent over half of the total adult use market, but it's also a category where we have a competitive advantage over our peers. With most products, packaging and processing are the largest cost of goods sold. But with dried flour, the flour itself is the largest component of the cost of production. With one of the only successful outdoor cultivation facilities in Canada, it's here where we have the largest advantage and as one of our commercial team intends to keep pressing. Additionally, sales growth was driven by greater product availability and increased sales of pre-roll products, which is the largest, third largest adult use product category in the Canadian market. In the pre-roll format, we achieved for the first time ever a top 10 national market share position subsequent to the reporting period. We expect to keep the pace of adult use growth heading into the fourth quarter, and this will be driven by growth in the dried flower category, and more specifically with milled flower product formats, where we are now a leader in the Alberta market, 
as well as product line extensions, which strengthen our product portfolio. To that end, we added a total of 35 and 46 SKUs in Ontario and Alberta, respectively, which will be listed by January 2022. By industry standards, standards our adjusted gross profit margin in adult use remains strong at 28%, up from 21% in the prior year's quarter. As large format dried flour becomes a larger component of our sales mix, we will look to maintain or even improve upon these figures. In medical cannabis, we continue to be in a ramp-up phase with respect to Unifor, our exclusive relationship. This growth was partially offset by the historically slow months of July and August for Canadian medical cannabis sales. Our gross profit margins in medical showed continued strength at 47%, up from 26% in the prior year's quarter. In our bulk wholesale business, I think it's critical to note that while there was a negative gross profit margin on our income statement, this exclusively relates to the sale of aged inventory, which we opportunistically sold during the quarter. This does not reflect upon the gross profit margins of our core adult use and medical sales channels, which remain strong. We have a renewed focus on cost discipline to maximize operating leverage as we continue to rapidly scale our revenue base. This was evidenced by a 34% sequential decline in total operating expenses from 19.6 million in Q2 2021 to 13 million in Q3 2021. And within that, a 24% in core SGNA from 9.2 million in Q2 2021 to 7.9 million in Q3 2021. As I discussed on our previous earnings call, there were substantial costs associated with the product development and launch of five new cannabis brands and multiple new product formats. These one-time expenses are largely behind us. And at the same time, we've undertaken a cost review initiative to optimize our cost structure and lead a clear pathway to profitability. This is ongoing and we expect to result in additional overhead savings in the near term. Operator, over to you. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Thank you, Matt. And now, analyst question and answer is open. Our first question is from Pablo Zewanek of Cantor Fitzgerald. Your line is now open. Good morning. Uh, Jeff, can I just, I know you talked about the outdoor crop and uh, domestic uh, medical market, but just can you discuss the export outlook? How should we be thinking about modeling that over the next few quarters? Um, you know, that cost advantage you have from the outdoor crop, can that help you overseas, or it's about getting EU GMP certification? Just, just more color on the export outlook for Alifia and, and the value chain and hurdles that you have to go through to, to make an impact there. Thank you. Yeah, uh, good question, uh, Pablo. So uh, the, uh, the requirements for shipping internationally um, is, is, is 
a lot higher in terms of the standard of product uh, um, that you need to achieve in terms of the COAs, the thresholds, to be able to ship uh, internationally, specifically to EU GMP designated required countries, uh, specifically Germany. I'll talk about that, which, as you know, we've been shipping and we continue to ship into Germany. Uh, so the outdoor grow, unfortunately, uh, does not qualify and does not meet the thresholds under the EU GMP. Uh, so as a result of that, the outdoor flower will probably most likely uh, uh, in the near term uh, not uh, be able to meet that standard to be able to ship over, overseas. We wish it could because it's such low cost and the quality is just phenomenal in terms of uh, uh, THC and, and terpenes uh, uh, that we're getting out of the flower, which, uh, which we will use in the domestic market. So when you're growing at such low cost with, with such high THC, uh, we're going to be able to put it right into our milled and, and, and pre-roll formats uh, at very, very, very aggressive cost points and still maintaining very, very strong margins just because uh, low cost, high quality. Uh, so unfortunately, we can't. But uh, I could tell you our greenhouse is GACP certified, and we continue to see our order book fill up uh, into the EU uh, as we continue to uh, ship uh, product into the EU. We've got a pretty full book uh, for November and December, and we're going to continue shipping flour out of our GACP certified uh, facility uh, into our uh, uh, through our partner uh, who is EU GMP certified, uh, which is a real clever, uh, low-cost, high-barrier-to-entry way of us to be able to ship into the EU GMP, and we're going to continue doing that. So I just also want to make mention that our Flower in the greenhouse is relatively low cost as well relative to our peers and relative to being able to manufacture or grow that flower in Europe uh, specifically. So we see nothing but uh, green opportunities for us uh, with that greenhouse into the EU on an ongoing basis as we continue to uh, look at getting uh, our Paris facility, uh, EU GMP uh, certified and our oils to flow into the Europe as well at some point as well. Got it. And just, just a quick follow-up, uh, maybe, you know, for uh, I should know more about this, but in terms of the outdoor crop in Canada, can you talk about the competitive landscape? I mean, back in the day, we used to hear of many companies aware in that uh, segment, but then, you know, 48 North, for example, exited that business. I hear that other people haven't really executed on it. Uh, how unique is it what you're doing in outdoor uh, in, in the context of the Canadian market? Thanks. So I think we've proven over the last three years, Pablo, not only – uh, have we proven to the market that we're capable of growing outdoors, but we continue to prove to ourselves that we are improving uh, in, in, in the quality of the outdoor growth. So as far as we know, we're still the largest uh, uh, legal outdoor producer in Canada. Uh, and, and I think a lot of folks are abandoning it, Pablo, because the amount of infrastructure that has to go into growing good quality uh, uh good quality product year over year uh, is, is substantial. And the amount of IP that goes into it in terms of improving the process, like, you know, going from 80% cannabinoid content relative to our greenhouse and to our indoor to at par, and in some cases even better than our greenhouse, uh, is three years of learning. And uh, that's just something that you can't just pick up, uh, you know, overnight. Uh, not to mention all the infrastructure that goes in. And furthermore, I could tell you this year, 
our costs are much lower than they ever were last year, and it's just proven how much more efficient we're getting at doing this. So our quality has improved tremendously, and our cost has reduced significantly, and it just continues to give us a competitive advantage. So I think the reason why a lot of these other LPs have uh, have abandoned outdoor grow, Pablo, is because they've determined that uh, the amount of uh, time, effort, and capital to go into it uh, and patience uh, they just did not have it, and uh, we're going to leverage that. So uh, we're talking significantly low cost per gram that can easily be pulled, put in milk product formats and or uh, uh, pre-rolls. That's in the rec channel, uh, let alone the CBD strains, which uh, we are now actually doing. Uh, as everyone knows, we have a Divi pre-roll, which is uh, flying off the shelves and uh, extracting a lot of that CBD oil, which we think – CBD becoming OTC over the counter is imminent. Uh, we, we see it's something going to be a phenomenon probably first quarter next year where we're going to, in the health and wellness brand, have a significant, significant competitive advantage over all our peers. Thank you. And if I may want just last one, I mean, obviously, Unifor, it's uh, Canada's largest private sector union, as you said. Uh, you know, what could be other wins that you could report in, over the next year in, in that topic? I mean, in terms of uh, either, you know, federal government uh, labor unions or, or, or provincial unions, or Unifor is really the largest, whether it's private or, or public. Thanks. So, so, great question, Pablo, and I think I've consistently said that uh, the key that we're developing here in our Unifor relationship, which, by the way, Jerry Diaz, the head of Unifor, is completely supportive, and he is a, a big uh, uh, advocator of our service and, and cannabis as, as, uh, as me- medical therapy, as a replacement to opiates. Uh, so he is a firm believer, and as all these uh, uh, collective bargaining agreements are coming due, they are putting in cannabis as, uh, as uh, uh, therapy, as sorry, medical cannabis as an alternative therapy. So they are bargaining into all of these. So, uh, But what I did say, Pablo, is that the data that we are collecting in terms of uh, having real quantifiable data that we can go to other employers and other unions and other insurers to be able to show them uh, the real impact uh, in, in terms of the effect uh, of the performance uh, lifestyle and and overall just uh, qu- quality of life uh, that cannabis is having an improvement to a lot of these unionized employers, whether it's uh, performance at work, showing up on time, showing up period, getting a good night's sleep, dealing with uh, some kind of pain or some eating disorder or mental stress. We're collecting all this data, and we don't think anyone has this data that's quantifiable. That will be a great argument and a great way to get other larger employers and other unions, uh, such as large banks. And we're talking to a lot of these folks every day, Pablo, because a lot of folks are interested, especially post-pandemic. There's a lot of mental stress out there people are dealing with, and uh, ultimately we think we're in a great position. Got it. Thank you. Next we have Rahul Sarugasar from Raymond James. Your line is now open. Yeah, morning, uh, Jeff, Matthew, Nick. Thanks, as always, for taking our questions. Um, so, you know, it's great to see the uh, trajectory on the adult use sales. Um, you know, hopefully we'll see that more going forward. I'd like to dig in a little bit, however, to the, uh, into the medical use sales. Uh, you know, we, we saw a dip there in, in this quarter. 
you attributed that sort of seasonal weakness. However, it's sort of a bit bigger than than we have seen lot than we saw last year. So, could you give us a little more color in ter- into in, you know, in terms of why we saw that softness? How do you see that playing going forward? And 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 always my perennial question: you know, what is the contribution from the uh, union contracts, and how do you see that playing forward? Yeah. So, uh, pa- uh, Raul, great to have you. Thank you for joining us today. Um, so. You know, in terms of the dip, we know it's a seasonal dip, uh, but, you know, one thing that we saw was that Health Canada was extending scripts to a lot of folks uh, due to COVID. Uh, so we, uh, they, they, in terms of the renewal, uh, and we saw that as an, it did impact our sales this, qu- this specific quarter as less folks were coming in looking for renewals because uh, Health Canada was allowing them not to have to renew. Uh, but uh, we're starting to see the pent-up demand. That coupled with uh, us signing some really strategic relationships with some third-party clinics, large clinics, uh, which uh, subsequently we did here in Ontario and Quebec. Uh, so we have some large third-party pr- uh, clinics that we've become the exclusive uh, medical cannabis provider, not just on education but also in, in formats. So we see that uh, we've continued to build up that base, and, and we're already seeing that this quarter. So uh, aside of the those two issues in terms of the seasonality and, and the scripts with Health Canada, uh, we see nothing but improvement, and we're seeing it already this quarter, six weeks in, not to mention uh, on the rec side, to your point, uh, we've seen uh, we're six weeks in, and we're, uh, we're well above uh, – uh, we think we're really going to blow that number away on what we did in Rec Q3 into Q4, let alone all our other segments, international, uh, wholesale, and, and uh, medical cannabis. So in terms of Unifor, one of the challenges we've had is that everyone's hearing about these supply chain issues. Uh, it started off with chip shortages, and it started with uh, you know parts shortages, harness shortages coming out of China. So a lot of these plants were dormant. And so one of the biggest challenges we had was trying to build the mousetrap in terms of being able to get out and get in front of these uh, the uniform members. You know, in the past, it'd be easy to show up at a uh, and get invited to the plant floor, the union hall, and or the parking lot where we'd set up pop-ups. Uh, the challenge is that with COVID and all these uh, issues with supply chain, closing down plants, or, or sorry, uh, uh, delaying the reopening of all these plants, Specific as Unifor, as Ford was one of our uh, first off uh, employers that we came on. Uh, we had to find other mechanisms of being able to reach out to these folks, and I challenged the team. And the team's done a phenomenal job, and I can tell you, uh, since the beginning of this quarter, in the last 30 days, we've really started hitting the nail on the head on a format in terms of how we're communicating them and how we're reaching out to the uh, to the membership. And uh, the membership is uh, uh, word word of mouth. It spreads like like wildfire. And as I said in in, in my discussion, uh, in my presentation, is that uh, we are seeing a significant uptick in uniform member patient registration uh, in the last four weeks. It's incredible. Uh, it's starting to it's starting to hit, and uh, it's it's not significant yet relative to our 30,000 patients. Uh, but I'm feeling very, very strongly and, and very mm-hmm. bullish that I think we've we've found a way of being able to work in this, you know, still this COVID environment, and uh, we're we're anxiously and, and so looking forward that if we could be successful in this format, 
once the uh, uh, the the, uh, uh, the doors open up, we're going to have a tremendous amount of success uh, with the face-to-face -face kind of meetings. Great. Thanks, Jeff. Uh, we'll certainly look forward to that. Um, now, pivoting a little bit to wholesale, um, you know, we recognize that that age inventory was, <clears throat> was sold at a, a relatively large loss. Um, given that we've seen, you know, some other relatively large wholesalers selling, you know, quite profitably, could you give us a little bit more clarity in terms of how we should be thinking about uh, about wholesale margins going forward? Yeah, Rahul, thanks for that question. Um, so I think the way to think about the margin in, in future and wholesale was uh, two, two factors. So one is um, aged, primarily distillate and oil inventory uh, that was in our all warehouse, and um, we opportunistically found an opportunity to, to monetize this uh, this product. Um, it was over and above our kind of internal needs uh, to satisfy. Uh, derivative products, and so um, we we thought that was a, a favorable you know cash realization opportunity. The the second uh, piece of that wholesale related to um, uh, some uh, call it off spec flour. So whenever uh, we have cultivation, um, we're trying to hit a specific product format or a specific uh, bandwidth or range for our our flour products, and to the extent there's any which is outside that range, um, uh, we find the wholesale market is an attractive uh, market to, to realize some margin on that product. Uh, so this is you know, non-recurring. It's, it's opportunistic. It's um, realizing some cash, which otherwise uh, uh, we would not have uh, achieved. And so we think about that very differently than the margin profile on our ongoing and core medical and, and adult use businesses. Great, great. Th thanks, thanks, Matthew. And, and if you, if you gentlemen, will indulge just one more question. So, you know, given that you really have kind of three lines um, on uh, on different kind of types of cannabis revenue, how should we be thinking about a blended margin on cost of goods going forward? And then separately tying back to my first question around uh, medical around medical patients, um, what could you quantify the patient registration ramp uh, that you referred to there, Jeff? Thanks. So maybe I'll answer the first part. Um, on, uh, I was going to say, go ahead, Matt, answer the uh, first part of that question. Okay. Yeah, so on the margin profile, Rahul, there, there really is three different profiles. On, on the medical side, given, you know, 80, 85% of those cannabis sales are derivative products, that will directionally um, typically always be our highest margin profile. And you see that, saw that this quarter with the 45% margin. On the uh, adult use side of the business, um, where two-thirds uh, of, of our sales are typically flower formats, um, that margin profile is typically a little less than that um, in the, in the pre-roll categories, uh, but I would say can be equal or higher than that in our growing categories, which are large format dry flour. Um, and then the third margin profile is our, is our wholesale. And when we sell um, any, you know, kind of one-time aged inventory, as you saw this quarter, the, the margins are, are, are lower. Um, but where we are able to sell um, products from our outdoor facility, 
which we have a low cost advantage, we're able to achieve a higher margin profiles. Um, so those are three, you know, we, we think about those margins very differently in each business. I would say to answer a question on direction, where is this going? As our adult use business continues to grow is now the largest sales channel and the highest growth rate, the margin profile in that business will start to lead towards the, the weighted average. Um, maybe I'll pause there and Jeff is going to add some more color. Uh, no, that's fine. So in terms of patient growth, Raul, uh, we're starting to see an uptick in patient growth as uh, um, you know things get back to normalize in terms of living. Uh, so we're already seeing that in Q4. And we're going to see that right through the Q1 2022. Look, these things take time uh, to, to get going, uh, but I can tell you they're heading in the right direction. And I'm really looking forward to reporting uh, Q4 numbers, and I think we'll be a lot more uh, – uh, uh, it'll be a, a headline number for us in terms of, uh, of uh, additional new patients, primarily uh, specifically to Unifor as well as uh, I can tell you uh, that uh, it's a pretty exciting period of time uh, with Unifor as uh, the patients are starting to, starting to come through. So uh, a lot of these folks have spending accounts and allowances. Uh, it ranges from $500 to $2,500 annually. Uh, so the good thing is we're tapping some of them at the and, and annually is calendar for them. So we'll see the uptick in, in uh, this queue as they uh, spend their uh, $500, $2,500 allowances for the year this year and then right into Q1 uh, beginning January 1st. So we're excited and uh, we're looking forward to reporting the numbers in Q4 uh, for Q4 uh, in early, uh, early March next year. Great. Uh, Jeff, Matthew, Mike, thanks so much for taking our questions, and best of luck with Q4. Thanks, Raul. Again, our last question is from Ven V of Research Capital. Your line is open. Thanks, guys, uh, for taking a question. Uh, I do have a question on uh, segment-wise uh, gross margins. So we noticed that... Uh, uh, gross margin for adult use cannabis uh, took a dip uh, this time. Uh, I just wanted to understand, is it going to be temporary or uh, is it uh, a structural decline uh, because of the launch of uh, value brands recently? Yeah, thanks for the question, Ben. Um, yeah, it's in the margin profile for the, for the adult use business. Um, two factors maybe I'll point you to. Um, with uh, ramp up in the sales of our pre-roll products, which is a, uh, the third largest category in Canada, and we now have established a top 10 market share position subsequent to the reporting period, those products directionally have a, a, a lower margin profile than some of our other uh, adult, use, um, adult use products. Um, the second factor, which to a lesser extent drove the, the margin profile in Q3, was some reclassification of, of distribution costs, which were previously in uh, SJA and are now reported in, in COGS. And so that would be an ongoing, um, you know, uh, somewhat structural change in our the reporting of our, our gross margins. Okay, so what do you think uh, may lead to an improvement in the next quarter for this uh 
Yeah, so driving the margin profile going forward, as you know, we don't put out, uh, you know, quantitative guidance, but qualitatively, I'll tell you, you know, building on those, those comments we made earlier on our outdoor harvest of over 11,000 of high potency um, THC focused strains um, uh, coming out of, of Port Perry, those are at a significantly lower uh, grow cost per gram than out of our greenhouse. And so that will directionally improve our margin profile uh, going forward. Okay, thank you. That's it from me. Thank you. And that concludes today's conference call. Uh, thank you all for your participation. Enjoy the rest of your day. Keep safe. And you may not disconnect. Thank you, everyone. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.